Good evening. We're live all. We're live. G'day, g'day all. My name's Craig or Crafty from Craftworks Distillery, and this is Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the ship. And I've got my co-presenters and friends here, Luke and uh, the Todd. How are you guys? Very good. Excellent. Very good. And oh, we've got a very good living the dream. Living the dream. All right. And tonight we've got something a little bit different. Tonight we've got um, James. And James is from Long Rays. So those uh, who frequent bars and uh, are into their, their mixes and their local mixes would no doubt know about Long Rays. So, you know, James, how are you, mate? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, it's all good, mate. It's all good. So, um, yeah, as we, as we said uh, in the prelude, that um, basically we talk about anything and anything. So um, you've, got a, you've got a different perspective on things. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think it's going to be quite an interesting uh, conversation tonight, guys. Indeed. So I'm just going to flash it up mm. on the screen for those that uh, haven't uh, seen yet, but longrays.com.au. Um, now, uh, full disclosure, Longrays are very generous, generously a sponsor of ours as well. That is um, true. And um, not, to, not to blow smoke up your ass, um, but I really like what you do. And that's not because you gave me some freebies. <laughs> because it's actually I mean, really yummy. It does help though, right? It does. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely it does help. But um, sure aside does. from that, really, really yummy. This one, the dark soda, I just drink on its own. Is that because you can't find the whiskey? I've got plenty of it, um, but just on its own. <laughs> no, it I, tastes bloody excellent it. by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, I I try and drink it as much as possible by itself because I try and keep how much booze I'm intaking from tasting everyone's fine spirits. Yeah, uh, it is really dry, and I feel like you can have more and more of it because it's not full of caffeine or sugar. Mmm. I didn't so realize it didn't have any sugar in it. Mm. So it does have a sugar content to it, as do all our mixes, but it doesn't have additional sugar. Yeah, right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Which is the same way we approach our partnership with distillers. We're not trying to hide anything. We're letting the natural flavors come through. Yeah, right. So how do you do that? What's um, the, so the, the natural <laughs> extracts, and you actually can get the sweetness you want from your flavor profile. You don't need to chuck a lot of sugar in it. Uh, the balancing act is when you introduce something like quinine into a tonic water. Yeah. And what most people do with quinine is they use it as a base flavor and then just throw as much sugar at the problem until it balances. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't actually taste like it's going to take away from anything. What we do instead is we control our quinine level mm -hmm. to adapt it to the natural flavor profile we want to have. So with right. our original, we have lemon myrtle and mountain pepperberry. We really want that lemon myrtle to shine through. Mm -hmm. And so it comes across as less quinine. It's a, 
0.1 of a gram off being a light tonic in real estate. So to be, right. you've got to be 2.9 grams per 100 mil to be a light and wear three. So sorry, 2.0 grams yeah. of quinine or of sugar? Oh, no. So that's of sugar. Of sugar. Okay, right. Yeah. So, um, no, the, the quinine level is, of course, a, a recipe secret. Yep. But of course, we really want all of that sweetness coming from the lemon myrtle to be the, the shining star. We still want mm -hmm. it to have the bitter element because tonic water should taste like tonic water, but it ends yeah. up being a more of a refreshing drink. Mm. Mm. So, so there, must, there must be a fair bit of um, R&D that goes into it then as well. So um, what, what's the approach in that? Is, is it um, very much laboratory-based or is it... Um, uh, almost like a the home distilling thing, just to start and play around with it? Or what is the approach? So, mm. so our approach is um, everything has to be done at volume. We right. unfortunately don't have the ability to make small batch or test runs mm -hmm. because wow. of how we approach our actually factory process of making our mixes. So it does actually happen with the use of our flavor technician. Mm who Does is that... very good at scalability and who actually takes care of our RTD production as well. Right. Okay. That's something I'll get into in a moment. RTD, I didn't know that didn't realize you did those. Um, so, so if you, if everything is made to, to be scaled from the get go and you can't do small R and D batches, so we can't do, say, like a 20-can run. Our first run of yep. any product is going to be basically a six-pallet run. Right, right. right. So yeah. so you wow. say you were testing out a new whiskey, you can do a one-still run. Mm. But because of the intense bottle packaging process, we have to do everything by pallets at first go. But that doesn't mean we're not making it in a, a small tester bottle one at a time. Yeah, right. But that's a process which is done by our flavor technician who is scaling it. So creating that flavor straight mm -hmm. so it's ready to scale. Yeah, which wow. is interesting because we're just about to release our sixth skew, actually. Right. And what will that be? Can you tell um, us? I can give you a hint. It's designed for dark spirits, but doesn't focus on the cola element. Oh. So like a sounds a bit gingery to me. Gingery or yeah, like a dry of some form. Mountain um, ginger. Well, it is a little bit gingery, and it's something that we've just listened to our customers and what they've wanted. Mm. Yeah, it's the okay. the one flavor profile that we really find from the on premise that they've been wanting, and from from those of you making dark spirits. Yeah. And, um, mm. Something that could give you the capacity to make a buck or a uh, dark and stormy. Yeah, right. So, how long does it take generally to uh, for the team to conceptualize and then prototype and and create those flavors? Uh, it's it's a very long process. A lot of development is based on asking our distiller partners and our consumers what they want. Mm -hmm. And then uh, taking all of that feedback on and then, of course, filtering that through our team. 
luckily we don't have a very large team so it's a it's a kind of one project one goal yep everyone moving in the same direction hmm but um it's there's a reason why three is in we've only got five skews yeah but what's a long process i mean what is what's the ultimate goal you don't want to the have ultimate... hundreds of skews <laughs> um well i mean the ultimate goal in my eyes is to fulfill what our original directive was which was to give distilleries and australian spirits what they wanted in a mixer yeah right and if we could fit that keyhole procedure for everyone that would be wonderful yeah right so how do you hopefully go not about hundreds of times hopefully like there's some crossovers and people are are liking the combinations and it can fit for a few of course so how how do you go about or how have you gone about getting getting the word out there because the brand has so you said five years three three years three years that you've been around um how have you gone about wow getting the word out there uh, and getting people off the um, uh, the legacy um, mixes, like your cappies and your fever trees and um, uh, and that sort of thing. How, how, how have you gone about that? Uh, so we're, of course, never trying to kick any other mixer brand out particularly the uh, two amazing brands that have led the way for us to even have a place in this industry. Mm -hmm. um, Tree, of course, creating a premium tonic mm -hmm. market, which we've mm. stepped into quite nicely in a very different way. Um, what we did that's a little bit different to, I think, a lot of brands are out there. We didn't make something just because we thought it tastes great. We made something because we asked people what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So with that tonic, we asked distillers. It was a think tank of 15 Australian distillers that came back to us with what they wanted. They wanted something that wasn't full of sugar, mm -hmm. something that wasn't too high in carbonation, so it was trying to hide anything, and they wanted yeah. Australian line of flavouring. Yeah, right. With, whether that be native or native fitting. Mm. And so then... then Sorry, just to continue that. And then to continue, there was a pandemic and uh, through the nature of the beast, we created a completely Australian-made product. Mm. So to give you an example, uh, the label, cap, bottle, packaging that this arrived in, all Australian-made. Mm. The glass is in fact recycled glass, creating itself a, its own little closed loop. So some byproducts weren't by design, but through necessity, but they're happy byproducts. Mm. That must be extremely unusual to be a hundred percent Australian everything. What sort of challenges have you found in in sourcing Australian product? Um, do you know what? As it is to make spirits in this country and trying to make something completely uniquely Australian, yep. it's expensive. Mm. So making anything that's of a premium labeling is going to be a little bit pricier. And mm. I think that is probably the, th the thing that would be the biggest drawback is that we can't just import from China our bottles on yeah. mass. We can't import mm. our caps. We can't have pre-made packaging come to us from overseas. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's a very, very much mm. part of the whole the whole presentation, isn't it? As you said, it's 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 an Australian product through and through. Yeah, um, everything everything you're spending money on here is money going into Australian hands, which is then going back into Australian hands. Yeah, which is brilliant. So, how exactly did the brand come about? Uh, the brand came apart from a guy called Shiv Ramreddy, who was very passionate about Australian products mm -hmm. and Australian gins. And the story I've been told, because, you know, never let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. Oh, God, no. Is that he and the other owner went into a bar on the Gold Coast and they ordered a very famous Australian gin. It was... Um, a very premium, beautiful gin that was new to the market using a new flavor profile. Um, that gin was Four Pillars Olive Leaf, mm -hmm. which makes an absolutely cracking mm -hmm. martini in my eyes. I love the stuff. Keep a bottle frozen in my freezer at all times, just in case. Mm -hmm. But they asked in the Gold Coast for a uh, gin and tonic. Like, I really want to try this new gin. Bought themselves a gin and tonic, tasted it. This just tastes like tonic water. Mm. Got a second round, asked for the tonic to be on the side. It wasn't a uh, premium tonic water. It was a supermarket tonic. Mm. And tasted the gin. Absolutely amazing. Nuance of flavor. Gorgeous premium products. Absolutely swallowed up and hauled by the tonic. Mm. And hence an idea was planted. How do we get that gin to taste as good as it possibly can? Hmm. And then what what was the background? I mean, you've got to, uh, obviously when you've got a, a flavor technician working on on creating the flavors now and, and getting them to scale, how do you go about the conceptualization of of that new flavor? Did they go straight to the, um, straight to the experts or did they play around um, themselves a bit and try and figure it out themselves? What, how, how, how did that work? Um, so with the new SKU that's coming out, it was actually a soda that has been talked about since I started with the company as something that was missing. Hmm. It was a toss-up between this and another flavor profile that everyone's been throwing these ideas about, about what do we want? Personally, I want to make a bitter lemon because I love bitter lemon. And mm. I'm definitely in the minority of people with mixes, of all mixes that love bitter lemon. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's more about not what we want. It's what the industry calls for. Yeah. And it's an industry-led product and always will be. Mm. Well, from my eyes, certainly doing pretty well so far. What's your background? Uh, so I was a bartender for a decade, both here and in the UK, uh, dabbled in distilling in the UK, and then went into to marketing for the last few years on various brands. Yeah, right. And now and... I just in, enjoy bubbly water and push it around cities. <laughs> so you're based in Sydney. Um, uh, so... I'm in Sydney at the moment. I'm from Sydney, okay. but I live in Melbourne. Oh, I won't hold that against you then. Oh, well, it's actually where we make this fine product. 
Uh, that redeems Melbourne a little bit, doesn't it? It should if you like the product. <laughs> There's at least one good thing coming out of it. I Look, I came out of Victoria, so I guess it's not all bad. So two things. Yeah, two things. <laughs> <laughs> I had the choice of moving to Melbourne. So Long Rays and, and Loki. And I chose Sydney. Um, for me, Melbourne's good for a holiday. Well, um, unfortunately, I moved to Melbourne uh, only a couple of months and then found myself locked inside for a couple of years. So now I live there. Shit. So you've also got... <laughs> so starting a brand... So where, at, at what point in that three years did you join the team? I've only come on for the last year. Last year, right. So you've still got the tail end of, of COVID, um uh thankfully obviously you were you were able to get in there and 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 start uh start working with it did they struggle much with um with covid starting a a, a big new business a scaled business like this during covid i i think the answer to that one is in where the owners lived so the owners lived in Queensland mm -hmm. and still still do live. So the idea that this is a Queensland brand is hilariously written on all our packaging. We have a shared office space in um, in Brisbane, and that's our um, our address on everything. Uh, we're made proudly in Preston, Victoria, which is a north northeastern yep. suburb of Melbourne, mm -hmm. and we use Hepburn spring water, but um we're very popular in queensland hmm. and the fact why that make it in melbourne rather than queensland uh the water source is actually the main and i believe only reason right Hep hepburn spring water is known for its minerality yep and it's cleanness from its high concentration of limestone right so purely because of the water the quality of the water yeah. in Melbourne. And the way that, that water really... reacts to the way we carbonate, which is a little bit different. Okay. Ex explain. Uh, so we do a natural carbonation with potassium or bicarb soda rather mm -hmm. than a forced carbonation with sodium or CO2. Yep. All right. Which is, as you might taste in your glass, re relates to a softer bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, uh, I relate the bubbles in our soda water as the difference of champagne and Prosecco to our soda and any other soda out there that's been carbonated in a forced way. Mm. So how does that? How does that? So yeah, it ends up more of that process. It ends like? up more of a tingle on your tongue. Exactly right, and you can see you can actually taste an almost creaminess if you're tasting our plain soda. But you're tasting more of the flavors mm. through there not being like an aggressive pop and burn at the back of your palate. Yeah, right. So how do you carbonate? The, how does that carbonation process work? So it's carbonated in a tank using potassium rather than force carbonated with just a gas line sticking into it. Yep. And then it's pushed through those lines into a bottling line with a small amount of CO2. Yeah, right. That is interesting. 
So normally when you carbonate a mixer and you force carbonate it, you bring it down to a temperature and you're injecting gas into it. Yeah. Because it, 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 it absorbs the, the CO2 better at a lower temperature. 100%. You, you slow down those water molecules that are able to, to grab onto the carbonation. Mm -hmm. So in most of the forced carbonation stance, you're actually injecting from the bottom. Carbonation is being forced through the liquid and then you're slowly releasing at the top to make space for more gas to come in. Mm. So what we're actually doing is a softer, lower, slower process of carbonation through potassium. And it's not aggressively trying to change the texture of the water. Yeah, right. So how long it's does that process take? I actually don't know. And I'm happy to say when I don't know something, I couldn't tell you. Interesting. So that's a very unique thing to long rays, is it, James? Um, I believe there's a couple of mixer companies out there in the market that do it this way. Yeah. Uh, there's a Tasmanian brand that comes to mind, but I don't think anyone does it in the unique and precise way that we do. Right. Yeah. We have a very consistent product. I would imagine it would be a, a more uh, costly process uh, too, wouldn't it, um, that approach? Um, well, it is because it's like most systems are set up to carbonate a different way. Yeah. Mm. yeah right. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more because I, I find... That's a whole different world, isn't it? A whole different world. And those little technical things are... They, uh, they always pique my interest. Um, it, it's a good rabbit hole to get down. Yeah. It, there goes my Friday. Sort of exp it explains why you don't feel sort of... <laughs> explains why yes. you don't feel so bloated when you've drunk a, a couple of... Uh, 100%. And I yeah, think so the main thing that I like to tell people is that because of the way we're actually carbonating and we're doing it with potassium and not the sodium... It's not actually destroying the enamel on your teeth. Uh, how many pluses oh, are go. we up to now? Bonuses. Train made, train owned. I don't know. Recycled. Um, low sugar content. Low sugar doesn't fucking doesn't hurt your teeth. <laughs> yep. I'm running I mean, out of fingers. Sponsors awesome podcasts. <laughs> Sponsors the podcast. Gave you money. Yeah, more. Start counting the toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's so all, the, all these things that, that you've identified there, James? Were they were they known um, before the the development of it, or was it something that was sort of learned as, mm. as it went along, uh, including the water source? You know, identifying the water source and going, yeah, right, okay, this is this is contributing such and such. Um, those were all by design. All by design, yeah. All by design. So it had to be the cleanest and best water source in Australia to make the best mixer. Yeah. So why not start with the best first ground stone? And then uh, finding a process to, to carbonate so it's not overtly carbonated. Mm -hmm. Part of design. And yeah, um, I don't know if you've tried the water up in Queensland, but it's quite hard. Mm. And it always has like a petrol yep. smell to it. Oh, I I, I haven't been to Queensland not, in many not, many not years. Not good for so making mixes. 
Yeah. No, I wouldn't imagine petrol's a great, um, a great flavour profile. It's yeah, I can see where that would be an issue. <laughs> Yeah, and it's something you can't adjust your water chemistry on too, no doubt. And but then um things like the the packaging, yep, were not not so much a design. I mean, they're a fantastic idea and something we're very proud of, but more about a situational event. Hmm. In what you could get in Australia at the During time, a very bad time for importing products. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And. And you've gone the fancy um, uh, foil and embossing. Um, so you've, there's a number of processes in, in just the label itself. I didn't even know we could do these in Australia. I who who you does your label? Um, I can't identify for you a company that does our labels because they do a variety of different things for us. Uh, all good. All good. <laughs> because I'm not hiding anything. I'm just keeping IP, all right? I was, I was, um, I was fishing for a, for a tie-in. <laughs> yeah, let, let um, that one go, Luke. <laughs> I, I was fishing for a tie-in. Uh, uh, we, we had... Uh, CCL labels <laughs> as a sponsor last year. <laughs> okay. Not this year, though. Not this year, though. Um, so <laughs> I just, I got myself lost there. I went down my own little rabbit hole of trying to tie in something that then just did not. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't there. I. <laughs> uh, Tickle my own fancy, though. Uh, but if we do want to talk about the logo and our our beautiful embossing and and that shininess, it's because yep. of the, the Queensland ownership and wanting to represent mm. a nice, cool drink on a beach. Yeah, which it does. It's got that feel to it, um, even when it is dark. Um, and uh, yeah, it does have that certain certainly does have that premium feel to it. Uh, no, it's done really, really well. And made in Australia from at least 96% Australian ingredients. What's the most... So you've got a few different projects going on in the background and you said you've, you've got this new project coming out, new product coming out, new SKU, that is a very long process to get out the door. Mm -hmm. How many sort of how many things are on the idea board at the moment and what's the weirdest one and there's always a million things on the idea world possibly the weirdest ones will always be my ideas because i'm a bit of a kooky one <laughs> um i would like to see more weird and wonderful things happening in the world of rtds mm -hmm. and uh that whole take home take to the park cocktail space i'd like mm. to see some very strange things happening out there yeah right so you did mention that um you're doing some mm. rtds mm. um uh what where when and how and who um so so our company po policy is that we mix well with locals and that we actually just completely signify ourselves as the backup dancers to australian distillers mm-hmm 
Uh, people like Craig here are our Beyonce, and we like to just be in the background making sure his shit looks good. But I do actually think that that's what led us directly into this this RTD proposal is that we are we make some of the best bubbles, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the best bubbly water to go alongside the spirits products out there, and so we created a process and facilitated the the way to support our distillers in another way. Yeah, right. So you partner with distillers to for them to create and put out their RTD using partnering with long runs. Yeah, but I think the best part of the process of that is if you're a distiller and you're watching this, keep this in mind because this opens up the world. You don't have to use an already made skew of ours. You don't have to use one of our three tonics or this dark soda as the mixer in that RCD. Oh. We, we can create a whole new profile for you. Oh, wow. So depending oh, wow. on your specific, uh, your specific gin or your specific whiskey or rum that you want to put into an RTD, you'll work with them to create the specific flavour for the, to showcase their product. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And so so when I say it? that I believe that we should be creating a mixer that's perfect for every single distiller spirit, I really believe it. And this is the process where we actually actuate that. Yeah, wow. So how many... Um, you're so, saying that... Um, uh, Go on, go on, Todd. Yeah, you're you're saying earlier that that your minimum runs around six pallets. Oh, correct? when it comes to our today's, it's far higher. Your your minimum, you you. Mm. It's a lot higher in RTD. So so if a lot of a lot of the distillers we've introduced are quite small. So what would be the minimum quantity of alcohol? they would need to supply to be able to assist in your pro in getting RTD to market. Um, I would definitely say that if you're quite small and you don't have a proven sales into, or a proven sales idea for you to be able to move 20 pallets within mm-hmm. six months, yeah. I'd say let's continue that conversation when you are ready for that. Mm-hmm. So 20 pallets. Um, let's say 20, 20 pallets as a minimum. Yeah. Let's yeah. use that as a benchmark. Yeah, yeah. And so the average um, uh, ABV of an RTD is what, sort of 5 to 6%-ish? Uh, the average is 5%. Um, we yep. always advise people to go around the, the one standard drink can so that you have the possibility of getting a festival contract. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, anything over a standard drink will limit who you can sell it to. Yeah, yeah. So then how does... Then incur your tax. Yeah. So how does that process look? Uh, A distiller um, uh, calls you up and says, hey, I really want an RTD. Um, How do I get started? How does that process work? Um, you, usually I probably do the most introductions of anyone on the team to the RTD process. So I'm quite good at giving a gray area speech about it. 
the hits or the points without being too specific on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Distiller comes to me, says, hey, I really want to make RCDs. I say, you got it. We just won three of the best RCDs in the world. So why don't we get started on this? I was like, these are our MOQs. Um, they are a little bit tailored for who is coming to us. So for a smaller brand, we try and make them a more realistic MOQ. For a large brand that can handle it, it's a standard MOQ. Um, Once that's agreed upon, we talk about our process, the cost per can that gets to you. Um, The main thing to understand is that we... Oh, we've lost someone. We've lost Luke. Yeah, he... um... He, they've just lost power at their house, so um, he's possibly not with us for a little while. Um, should be should interesting running this off a laptop. Uh, off, yeah, keep, keep. We're, we're still recording, so it's all good. All right, let's um, get going. Um, we we'll go through the MOQs. We go through the cost of can. We talk about the um, the freight and logistics of it from our factory setup, and then we go into. Uh, the introduction with our flavor technician to discussing what the person, the distiller actually wants their, their own product be, to be, whether that be the color, the fragrance, the flavor profiles. We discuss other products that are on the market that are close to it. We give advice as to if a certain type of product is flooding the market at the moment or if we see a need for it. And I should say less of a need mm. and more of a want for it by the market. Okay. And then we go further down the design trail of how we can help you along that way as well. Whether it be the can design, the packaging design, the format of the case, whatever you need. And we're there to facilitate and offer a turnkey solution. How long is the, the process, James, from concept to execution typically? Okay, so there are a fair few variables involved, Craig. Yeah. There's, of course, the design process, the readiness of ingredients. Um, If the distiller wants weird and wacky, wonderful ingredients or if they're more of a streamlined ingredient profile. Yeah. But it can take anywhere from as short as two months to 10 months. Yeah, okay. From the start, start of the process to um, a fully packaged can. Right. Awesome. We've just got a, a question off the audience here. Hopefully I can get it up there. Uh, so what type of base spirits have you used in the RTD formulations to date? Um, so we've had gins, vodkas, whiskies. I don't believe we've gone anything too far off scope or unique, but I have introduced the concept of a baiju. Wow. Um, That hasn't gone ahead at the moment, but it could. But it's predominantly been gins and whiskeys. Do you you find it's... it's Obviously no rum... Um, there is some rum in the works. I've seen scheduled. Yeah, very cool. Nothing as of yet released. Yeah, okay. 
All right. So it's um, so RTDs. From your experience, James, where have you seen RTs, RTDs go from, say, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, um, to where you think it will be going in the future? You see it as a major uh, growth. Um, we are definitely seeing a growth in the space. Your your major retailers are moving aside craft beer to make room for more RTDs and are approaching us for more RTDs. And what do you think's driving well, that? Um, I believe it's a youth drinking market. Uh, right. I don't see um, the age bracket being that older spirit buyer that I know a lot of Australian distillers actually see as their bread and butter. It is a younger market yeah. because it is more affordable. Right. And I yep. think it's a younger market that has mm. a bit of dispensable income. And want to try things because it's um it's alongside most of the global trend of drinking that's happened over the last 10 years which is that people are drinking less but spending more which leads to a growth of people not buying the cheap okay english gin and tonic can that they see at the the shop yeah but trying an australian gin and tonic can paying the extra dollar yeah or actually yeah. two dollars a can yeah mm. Okay. And what's what's your take on the question of the audience is um, another question from the audience is what's the shelf life of these RTDs? Eighteen months is our guaranteed shelf life. But I have tried a two-year-old one of our RTDs, and it was crisp and just as fresh. But that's the uh, the legalized one that we can guarantee. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think we've got someone back. Okay. Lukey's coming back in some format, hopefully. Oh um, God! <laughs> oh, look at that! <laughs> yeah. We so can, we can see. Looks like house. Polly from um, Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> um, my house and all the houses in my street have just lost power. So, um, oh great! Yeah. Um, I'm in darkness. <laughs> You're doing I'm just, just taking, a, taking a photo of your floating head because it's freaking me out. Yeah, it looks it looks it's freaking me out too, but. Can you can you put the cameras that are showing on the logo in your short shirt again? Woo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the logo of your shirt. Yeah, hold on, here we Amazing. go. Amazing. Oh, now we completely lost them. Yeah, it doesn't look so freaky now. No, no, because yeah, you got right. some colour then. Got some colour now. I'll just I'll just do that. Um, <laughs> so so I'm I'm really fucking sorry, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to try and figure out. Um, yeah, what's happening with my power and, uh, make sure my, uh, my six-year-old doesn't freak the fuck out when he wakes up and goes, oh my God, it's pitch black in my room. Oh God. Um, <laughs> just what I need. I feel actually, I feel like I should sing, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. No, it is Ollie from Red Dwarf. 
Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for joining us, <laughs> uh, James, but I'm going to have to bow out early and I will leave you in the capable hands of, uh, of Todd and Crafty while I sort out this crisis. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a buzz tomorrow. <laughs> no worries. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, didn't quite go according to plan. Yes, anyway. Um, so, James, do you, you, you're travelling around a fair bit, aren't you, in, in your role? Is it is it a national or a regional or what is it? Your role? Um, so I kind of go wherever the company needs yes. me to go. I yeah. am based in Melbourne and try to focus on the sales in that state in Victoria as much as possible, but... With our national sponsorships of gin festivals, um, heading up to Dubbo for the whiskey festival. Yeah. I'm in uh, I'm in Karoa next weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whiskey on the Murray. The whiskey festival. on the Murray. Yep. That'd and be good. then, um, yep. oh, awesome. Yeah, I uh, I get pulled to where the company needs me, but predominantly stay around Victoria. Okay. And and do you do you do things in conjunction with distillers or, or is it sort of separately but they're using your products or, or how how does it work at these these events? Um, so so the big events we sponsor with our product and it's probably the best bit of marketing we've ever done as a company having our product alongside great Australian products yeah. and having the the consumer see the the end product of us creating that support act and being there as part of the party that now they get to enjoy in their glass. Um, yeah. But we do a lot of events with distilleries that are on much smaller scale, such as I actually um, did an event with Gudra Digby just oh, last yeah. night. We yeah. hosted a lovely five course dinner at Different Drummer. Yeah. Where I got to come up and be be a host and chat people through what they were drinking in their glass and a little bit of the processes behind distilling. And also I was throwing some fun facts about gin and whilst they enjoyed a beautiful meal. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, what else would we like to touch on while we've got you on? Um, which one of the big ones is how can we store product? Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, weird. yeah. So we, so we talk to uh, uh, just consumers, and they say, where do where do we get long range products from? Yeah, good point. Um, so, I get asked that question a lot at massive festivals because we're obviously traveling around and don't have a huge list of all our stockers at any one time on hand and at ready at our fingertips. But there's a couple of really easy ways for you to get yourself some of those great products. There's a national um, e-commerce store called Hairy Dog that are yep. actually run, run in conjunction with the warehousing of Paramounts that do deliver nationwide. Right. Um, you can actually order us online through Dan Murphy's if you want to get it delivered to or find our original tonic in all their stores nationwide. 
So are you but sure? One main piece, main I, piece I of advice to everyone. You, Sorry, Todd. I always found when you go to, when you go to Dan's, you'd be lucky if you can find one specialty um, mixer, especially in the ones around me. Unfortunately. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I, yeah, I haven't actually ever seen long rays at, at the at the dens around us, which is a bit disappointing. So that's uh, that of... is disappointing, and I'm sorry. I can I can always look into that on our side, but I always try and buy from a local independent bottle shop where I can. Yeah. And what my advice to most people, especially if they live rural and they have their own independent bottle shop close to them is go into that bottle shop and ask that bottle shop to get it in for you. Where in all the major wholesalers in every city of Australia, and if that bottle shop wants your business, you, they should be a consumer-led business. So they can order it in for you. Yep. No, that's a good point. That's good. Yeah. So you'd spend a fair a fair amount on um, on advertising and and uh, no no um, we keep it very grassroots. We have um, our very small team on the ground. Yeah. Um, door knocking, taking those meetings, doing tastings with everywhere that we can get to to get that liquid on lips. Yeah. But the um. The advertising is really kept to a minimum. Like we sponsor distilling festivals so that we can be in front of the people that we were designed for. Yeah, okay. Yep. Definitely, that's exactly where we we found you for the first time was at the conference a couple of years ago. Yeah, the Australian Distillers Association conference. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was the first time I became aware of Long Race. Well, I mean, we're a small company and we are very much a startup and still in that process of finding our feet. And that's why we're not encouraging anyone to, to get rid of the other mixes off the market. There's room for everyone to be there and there's room for something that's a little bit different. So there is room for something that is trying to be a little bit different. Um, okay. I'm not going to answer the current production output per year. Unfortunately, sorry about that, William. Yeah, no, it's all good. Got to have some secrets. Uh, pretty transparent, that's for sure. Um, we try and be as transparent as possible. I can tell you, William, that our production output is more than you'd expect from a small brand like us. For anyone looking to buy a mixer company, it's more than you think. That's cool. <laughs> and, and where do you where do you see it all going, James? Where um what what's the the longer term strategy for for long race? Is it basically to um, just continue to build on, on where you are or, or there are bigger aspirations? For example, um, I, I think it's more of the same. We're, yeah. we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Um, 
we're heading in the direction where we can support Australian distillers more and more. And I think the end goal is for us to become a household name. We'd like to be that Australian branded mixer for Australians that they can have more access to. I mean, it means I'm going to have to take a lot more meetings and get in front of a lot more people, but it's really, that's the end game is for people to, to take an Australian gin and be like, I've got to get an Australian mixer as well. Mm. Do, you, yeah. do you find people are becoming more and more uh, aware? And I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the, you know, your, your, your average punter out there with their gins, but they're becoming more and more aware of the importance of, for a GNT, the tonic. And it's not just slamming a, a generic uh, no name in there. That, so they're becoming more attuned to, yeah, there is differences in tonics and, and, and sodas and that. So I these, think yep. definitely the, the rate that we see more mixer brands being created is showing that there is a need from the consumer for this. There's a demand. Hmm. There's, and there's a, there's a thirst for knowledge, a yep. thirst for understanding what's in the glass, isn't there? I also think if someone's spending not your normal $30 on a bottle of gin that's coming from overseas and and just being a stock standard gin that they know, if they're spending $80 to $120 on something with a unique Australian botanical that's been handcrafted here, yeah, I think they're starting to think about, yeah. I've spent that amount of money, I've made an investment, should I ruin that with something that's poor quality? that's sharing a glass with it? Or should I sustain that investment with a small further investment? Mm. Yeah, and it's also another another way of exploring different flavor profiles, isn't it? By by changing your 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 tonics and your and your sodas. Absolutely. Well, there's been a huge rise in the the drinking of a gin and soda. Yeah because the consumer is sick of their being gin, their gin being destroyed by a sugary mixer. Yeah. Or something that's going to overpower it. Mm. So that's where we really find our place by being a subtle nuanced flavor that's never overpowering of the spirit. Gin and soda is only 27 calories as opposed to 180 for a gin and tonic. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, fair comment. Fair comment. All right. Any, Have you uh, anything you'd like to bring up, uh, James? Is there any anything about long rays that we haven't talked about that you think it would be good to talk about? Yeah. I think if you haven't tried us yet, please come to one of the gin fest or any of the, the whiskey festivals that we're now sponsoring yeah. so that you can come and at least try something that's a little bit different than your stock standard. And I would more say that it's your right to demand better. Mm. If you're, you don't have access to a great mixer, you can actually ask your local bottle shop or your local shop to get it for you because you deserve the right to to have something premium if that's what you feel like. Yeah, mm. it's a democracy. You, you vote. What do you? And what I would do you say? 
Drink Australian. Yeah, true. And what do you what do you bring into whiskey on the Murray? Uh, whiskey on the Murray will be a lot of dark soda yeah. and some some great times. But there's also going to be our full range. Uh, we'll be there, loud and proud, giving tastes out to everyone. Awesome. And I've got plenty of stock there for everyone to take some home if they want it. Excellent. Sounds uh, good. Including there'll be a bottle of dark soda in every attendee's bag. Nice, very nice. It's a way to get get it out there. Yes, because for those who haven't tried the dark soda, it is a very unique product. Um, and for those that like their whiskey and cokes, it's definitely a, a different approach, and uh, it gives you that that um, how would you put it? Same. Oh, I'm trying to think of the word. What's the word I'm after, Todd? Same experience as not coke. Not sure. Yeah, same experience, uh, but not, not sugary. I, I honestly, I would go as far as saying that the dark soda, in my opinion, Kunzbull opinion, um, complements the whiskey a lot better than Coke does. It makes it a lot I more mean, pleasant to drink. I would say that anything you mix with Coke is going to taste like Coke. Yeah, yeah it dominates. <laughs> so if you are, if you after that sort of sweet drink well coke's the way to go but if you want to actually taste your whiskey give the give the um give the long range dark soda a go which is the dark bottle it it was invented for just that that reason like all our products was to sit there and complement the spirit that was going with it and always take a back seat so this is actually a unique product in the way that it was designed for a dark spirit sipper to absolutely be able to still try the dark spirit without having to nip a purely neat bit of alcohol. Very good. It's also very good by itself. It is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if we if we don't have any more questions, um, we might um, no. might wrap it up there. I think. Oh. And uh, so. Yeah, you want to just. So anything our sponsors crafting? Will I try and find the, the um have you got the, the information the, there? I'm just trying to find it. This I'm a little limited on my on my iPad, but um we'll see how we go. Okay. Um so just talk amongst yourself while I do a bit of a hunt. All right. Well why Todd work out how to stop recording. <laughs> this is not not good, no, but no. never mind. <laughs> We never claim to be professionals. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> I do apologize for this. It's yeah, it's been a bit of a technical nightmare tonight, unfortunately. Okay, let's see if this rolls. So this is our outro, and then I'll I'll try and work out how to stop it. Thanks everyone for watching tonight. Thanks James for um for subjecting yourself to our um, talented um, questioning. <laughs> and uh, we really do look forward to seeing you at Whiskey on the Murray next weekend. Uh, thank you very much for having me.